surely it is God who saves me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. For the great one in the midst of us is the Holy One of Israel. Amen. So Jacob was a scoundrel. Jacob cheated, lied, stole, all of that. Jacob was about as despicable a character as you could come up with. Cheated his brother, stole from his father, stole from his brother-in-law, the one who had taken care of him. Jacob was despicable. And the time came for him after 20 years to leave his brother-in-law's house and to go back home. God called him home. Jacob had a sense that he needed to do his own thing, so he heads home. On the way, he gets a little confirming sign that because he has angels visiting him. And then he comes to the river Jabbok. And Jacob begins to realize that his comeuppance may be coming. He is about to go back to the land where he came from, to the land where his brother lives. His brother, whom he had cheated out of his birthright and whose inheritance he had stolen. He's afraid. He's worried. He's anxious. So Jacob takes a great crowd of animals, of herds and flocks, donkeys, and sends them on ahead and sends them with a messenger to his brother. I am coming home. And I have gifts, and I am here to say I am back as a wealthy man. The messengers take the gifts to Esau, and Esau sends, comes back, and they come back, and they say, well, we gave the message to Esau, and he's on his way with 400 men. Well, now Jacob is really worried, very anxious. So he sends two armies out to protect him between him and Esau. And then before he goes to sleep, he sends his whole family across the river. And he's in that deserted place by himself. All night, he wrestles with a stranger who appears to him. All night, they struggle back and forth. And finally, as dawn is breaking, the man says to him, let me go. And he doesn't. So the man wounds Jacob. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you give me a blessing. And the story is that God changed Jacob's name, made him Israel, because he has striven with God and humans. Well, we know that. And the blessing that we see unfold for Jacob is this large, huge family. 
this new nation. And for the first time in, in his real reality, Jacob claims God. As I thought about this story and wrestled with it myself, it came to my attention that I had done some of the same sort of thing in my life. Way back when, I used to think of myself as the perfect child. I was doing everything God was telling me to do, mostly what my parents were telling me to do. The obedient little girl. My sisters thought of me as a goody two-shoes. They were right. And then the time came, I was about 30, and it all fell apart. My life fell apart, my marriage fell apart, my career fell apart. And I came to know a man who made me wrestle. A spiritual director who challenged every single assumption I had. And for two years, we wrestled back and forth, helping me understand that the God I worshiped was much bigger than I could imagine. Helping me understand that as broken as I was, I was good enough for God. Helping me understand that God was there for me in the midst of all my brokenness. And as I thought about this passage, the story of Jacob, and I thought about Paul in the epistle being so sad that his friends, his countrymen, had not had that opportunity to come to know Jesus as he had. It seemed to me that what's really happening in this story is that God is holding on to us until we claim the blessing offered. We struggle, we demand from God this blessing, and God longs to give it to us. I also thought this week about our nation, especially as I watched John Lewis' funeral and listened to the history of the civil rights movement. The centuries of struggle, the decades of beatings in the South, of lynchings, of horrors. And I listened to that struggle and I listened to the stories of the men and women who have engaged in that struggle because they knew God was embracing them, holding them close, encouraging them to claim the blessing. And so it is for our nation right now. 
for our nation to come to the grips with the reality and the truth of who we really are, of how we have grown a large, rich nation on the backs of slaves, on the lands of the native peoples who have land we have taken, and in these days on low wages, on our unwillingness to pay taxes so that all can be eating and drinking and living a healthy life. The time has come for us to wrestle with who we really are and to rename ourselves or to be renamed as a country not that's rich, but that is gracious. A people who don't have everything, but who have compassion. God invites us into that struggle. And many of us will be doing that in sacred ground, but many of us are doing that in other ways. As we stand in protest, claiming that the lives of black people matter, as we give of ourselves to feed the hungry, as we change our lives so that others might live, we struggle. We struggle to become who God is calling us to be. And God embraces us and holds us close and holds us tight. And in that struggle and in God's embrace, we may be wounded. We may lose some of what we thought was important to us. But God will give us a blessing. God waits for us to claim the blessing of a truly great nation, compassionate, of a truly great people who live with that communion of all, truly great individuals beloved by God. For as we claim this blessing, we will truly live into the kingdom of God, the beloved community, the wholeness that we were created to live in. <laughs>